Welcome to another edition of Step to the Mic. Monica McNutt here alongside Andre Jones and Ted Jeffries. Um, in a way, I guess you would call this an emergency pod, a giant of the both the physical and metaphorical sense has passed away and someone who is very near and dear to the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area basketball community, as well as the nation, honestly, but I think at home it hits a little bit different. Um, Coach John Thompson, the second um, Hall of Fame leader of my alma mater, Georgetown Hoyas, 1984 national championship uh, winning coach, passed uh, late last night at the age of 78. And so it is certainly a loss for our local area, a loss for the Georgetown community, college basketball, um, fans, coaches, current and former players alike. Um, it's hard to replace a guy like Big John, y'all. And I don't even know <laughs> where to go from there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Monica, like you said, just more than just his size, just what he meant to the game. He Coach was was a giant. It's just like you said. And, and from a kid growing up in this area, the DMV, Prince George's County, Georgetown basketball meant everything to us. And Coach meant everything to us. And and it's hard when you get the phone call this morning at six o'clock that he passed away. Then you say Cliff Robinson passed away this weekend. Chadwick Bozeman passed away. Luke Olson passed away. At a point, it begins to to kind of depress you somewhat. And um, you know, for little boys who wanted to get into this game as a coach, when we were growing up, I'm talking about Ted and myself. You only had John Cheney on on that level, and you had Coach Thompson, and it's just hard to grasp that he's gone. 78, he lived a good life. You listed some of his accomplishments, but um, it's just really hard. It was hard to digest this morning. Coach was, Coach was a juggernaut. You know, he uh, he never mixed any words uh, when he spoke to you and he told you exactly how he felt and he, and he gave it to you how he felt it. Uh, you know, he was a pioneer with regard to equal rights for players. He was as protective of a coach for the young men that he cared for, specifically on his team. But in the broader picture, he also was concerned about the the leveling of the playing fields when it came down to Proposition 42 and making certain that there was uh, a, a equal playing field regarding the what has been described one of the most racially biased tests ever created, um, which does not, you know, determine your collegiate aptitude going into school. And because he was very clear that, you know, African-American boys in different parts of the country did not get the same type of quality of education as some of our white counterparts that he wanted to make certain that NCAA knew how he felt, knew that this needed to change and was not going to be a determining factor in how kids that he coached or other kids that played around the country um, would perform in college. And the fact that he, during his tenure in three decades, had all but two graduate from college is amazing stat when you consider the lay of the land and the, and the kids that he coached. So he is truly an icon, uh, argue, you know, put Georgetown, small Georgetown University, great academic institution, 
but I've always said your athletic department is always the biggest outward facing tool that any college campus will have. And John Thompson made Georgetown University a a household name, a national name when it came down to the, its athletics department. And uh, he truly will be missed. As proud as I am of what I was able to accomplish as a basketball player on the women's side there, it is by no means lost on me that when I tell somebody I went to Georgetown, I get, oh, you went to Georgetown? Oh, you a Hoya? Like, that's not because we were a Sweet 16 squad. That's because of the iconic brand that John Thompson was the face of. I love that you brought up Proposition 42, Ted, because just last week we saw what was deemed, and, and rightfully so, was a historic display of athletes using their platform. But what coach do you know walks away from two games, not even because of players that are currently in his program, but because of Black athletes that are going to want to compete at the NCAA level? He was doing it before it was done, and I think when we had Coach Ewing, Big Pat, on the show, and I had an opportunity to ask him about leading his players through this time, he talked about the example that Big John set. You know, this he had such a heart for not only his athletes, but the Black athlete experience. People don't realize that he went and got his master's degree in counseling, right? So it wasn't just that he was a smart X and O's man. He also understood what young people needed so that they could be successful and excel to the next level. There's a great uh, write-up in the Washington Post today, Liz Clark, who's a friend and has been crushing her role as a reporter in this area for a long time. But she talked about that quote where he always said, don't let the eight pounds of air in that basketball define you, right? So for this man to be the first black coach, which I know he bristled at because he felt like it took recognition away from other black coaches that could have had they been given the opportunity. But factually, as the first black coach to win a national championship, to build a brand, to be a huge part of why the Big East is on television, to be a huge part of Nike as we know it. If you go down to the Nike store in Georgetown, now there's a mural. Um, he was just larger than life, but on the ground level, he had his boots on the ground and he was never not grounded and never lost sight of why he did what he did. And the thing that I loved about Coach Monica, he was always willing to sit down and share a story if you were willing to listen. And uh, there would be many times uh, and you know this as well as I do, he would make sure his point got across whether you wanted to listen to it or not. And um, that's what you'll miss. You'll miss the honesty of what he brought. And to what you and Ted were just saying, he was just up front. He said it his way. He did it his way. And that was basically it. I mean, and, and Monica, I go back to, you know, a kid growing up in this area. When you talk about when John is building his program in the 70s, People speak about Big Pat, and Pat put them over the hump. But there was a block from like 77, 78, 79. Those were some good Georgetown teams. Mm -hmm. And he did it with all dudes from D.C., Baltimore. That's what I love. So guys that you would see play at Dunbar High School, McKinley Tech, they played at Georgetown. Spingarn, they played at Georgetown. And then so now you got you walk around like you said, you are a Hoya. You know what that means. I fronted I was a Hoya. I mean, I wore the kid. I mean, Tia tell you, everybody had to start a gear. Everybody loved that. When Patrick Ewan played on Big Monday or whatever it was, Big Tuesday, that was a must-see. 
Mm-hmm. And John, like Terrence said, he protected those guys, and they played their style of basketball. 94 feet, press you out the gymnasium. Let's see who's tough, and we'll see you at the end of the ball game. I mean, just – I just love – I mean, there's be so many stories about Coach. I mean, it's just wild. It's just wild. It's just, it's just amazing. It's just amazing. Yeah, Andre, you talk about uh, so many different things I want to touch on. And that's and that and what you said, you know, when you talk about the protection, the 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 stories that you remember about John Thompson, and you know, you hear about guys they, they're working out in McDonough Arena, but you know, the seals between the doors were taped <laughs> so that nobody could see inside. You know, nobody's gonna see his players. I asked Monica as we were getting ready to come on. I said, Monica, do you remember what happened to his radio show? I have never been more amused at listening to a sports radio talk show when when Coach Thompson had his radio show. Uh, it was as entertaining uh, to hear him sign out as they were getting ready to go into a commercial break. Some of the some of the old sayings that he would say, and I can't remember any of them right now, but I, I know I had a, 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 a long smile on my face, you know, just listening to him. And as a broadcaster, I posted it this morning on Facebook, one of my – my favorite memories is when he was doing a game for uh, uh, Westwood One or CBS or whoever he was working for, you know, just the reverence that I had when I saw Big John, I said, let me, I, I want to make sure that I go over and, and say hello. And and I remember the first time I was very sheepish because I had never really been introduced to Coach Thompson. But, you know, I'm always living through the the historic rivalry between you know, Andre and I both went to DeMatha, and we know about the history, but you know, with Coach Thompson and, and Coach Wooten. Um, and I said, well, you know what? This is Coach Thompson. I'm going to go say hello, introduce myself. And he said, oh, of course. He sat, you know, and could not have been more ingratiating, shared a little story. We talk, You know, I asked him about the game, what his thoughts were, and, you know, and he would shoot it straight and tell me, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, man, I can't believe. I'm talking to the great John Thompson and he's carrying it on like he and I have known each other for quite some time or maybe as if I was one of his players. You know, yeah, uh, you know, just the uh, the reverence I had for who he was as an individual and what he meant to this DC area uh making Georgetown arguably the the most popular the most popular sports program in this area for three decades is an incredible feat. Coach was one of the first people I met even before I officially signed at Georgetown. I remember going to his office on my recruiting visit. uh, And I don't remember exactly what he said to me, but basically he was like, you want to come play ball and get a degree that'll take you wherever you want to go? I mean, he was very cut and dry. I mean, we chopped it up about whatever. But I remember walking away from that like, wow, I just met John Thompson. I'm like, John Thompson. And my dad, similar to you guys, grew up on Georgetown. My dad went to St. Anthony's High School, was there when he was there. My uncle played for Big John. So for me, that was sort of a surreal moment. And then to look at my dad and see how thrilled he was. Um, and, you know, there was a time on campus that I got my wires crossed with Big John. And, but it was such a valuable <laughs> lesson for me because um, it, it reminded me of the importance of reverence, right? And I remember Dre knew what happened. Uh, we just, a little miscommunication. And <laughs> around him, 
And that was not my intention at all. And so that was the first time I'd actually learned because I hadn't seen Scarface at that point. Dre was like, you got to kiss the ring. And so I remember writing Big John this handwritten note apologizing. And he would give me the, the stink look like he gave it to me for a minute. But eventually when he was like, girl, we're good. You're going to be fine in this business. I just remember being so happy and gracious. Um, but the lesson there was when people advocate for you, you got to make sure that you take full advantage of that, right? Um, in my eagerness to start my media career, I had emailed someone at 980 when Big John had already told me that he got me. Now, I didn't know who I was emailing, but that's neither here nor there. When he said he got me, I needed to trust that. And so as I moved forward through my career, the last time I saw him, which was actually at a Georgetown regular season game last season, he told me that he was proud of me and, that I, and to keep going in the industry. So um, that just... I know it's super cool now to support women's sports, but Big John sat in that wooden chair at our practice the same way he sat there at the boys' practices. And uh, I remember in my junior year when we were ranked and we were playing really well, he would, and even before that though, but I specifically remember when we started playing good ball, um, he would take out moments of practice and Terry would be like, our head coach, go talk to Big John, Big John wants y'all. And when we beat Maryland my senior year in the uh, round of 32 to go to Sweet 16, he was there. And he came in the locker room after the game with President Jojoya. And he was just as happy for us as if it was the men's program. I mean, part of it was the rivalry with Maryland, I'm sure. But he watched us because he sat in that chair during practice. And he loved what we did defensively. And, and he came and he supported. And um, he didn't ask for a bunch of praise or acknowledgement or even champion women's sports. Like, he loved basketball and he loved helping young athletes figure it out. And we were that. So I'm super grateful uh, for that connection, that relationship. Thoughts and prayers certainly go out to JC3, Ronnie, and Tiffany, and the rest of their family. Um, I can only imagine what the loss feels like on an intimate, familial level. Yeah, and Monica, to, to piggyback what you're saying, it's so cool when you have a guy who lived we, – we, when Monica and I worked at uh, NBC Sportsnet Washington, Comcast Sportsnet back in the day, we were fortunate enough to do a show called My Life 365 on Coach Thompson. So that's when I really, really, really got to know coaching – you're talking about a guy, D.C. split into four sections, northeast, southeast, northwest, northeast. Coach lived in all four sections of the city. He went to Carroll High School. They won a national championship. They won like 59 or 60 straight games. He goes to college. He plays for the Celtics. He wins a ring. He comes back. He coaches St. Anthony's. Then he goes to Georgetown. And then you just talk about, like you were saying, if you sat there and you allowed yourself – to get a lesson, not about basketball, but of life. Coach Thompson was the guy to talk to. Yep. We walked down U Street, and you're talking about President Obama and John Thompson. Those two guys walk down U Street, they get mobbed. We go to Ben's Chili Bowl to sit down and talk, and he told us about what it was about Lincoln Theater and to walk U Street and to go to the theater and pay five cents. And if you didn't have the money, you cut through the back door, and then you go you sneak into the movie. That's Coach. I mean – basketball, that's part of him. The big story is what he meant to life. Mm -hmm. And th that's what I hope that, you know, young kids, when they, when they see his passing, they understand this is just not a basketball coach. This is an ambassador of D.C. and an ambassador of life. Who would, if you got out of line, like Monica said, would crack you over the head, you mm -hmm. come back and he would accept you, love you, and you keep it moving. And that's just coaching in a nutshell. Guys, I think about this too. Um, you know, I, 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 when you talk about iconic games, I go back to uh, Patrick Ewing and Ralph Sampson matchup. I remember asking for permission 
as a young high school player to be able to stay up late to watch that game. And I'm sure I fell asleep on it, but woke up in the, in, in the morning and found out that Virginia won that game. But I remember a series early in the game where Patrick Ewing and and, and uh, Ralph Sampson go back to back and they're just dunking on each other. And I said, I can't believe the, the power behind this game and how Sports Illustrated had pumped it up. So, you know, just the iconic games, iconic players. But think about this. How many kids in three decades have now changed the generational wealth for their families? You know, you think about the countless NBA players that have gone through some of the megastars, obviously, the Kimbe Mutombo and what he's been as an ambassador back to his country, uh, back to the continent of Africa. You think about Alonzo Mourning and what he does for uh, the greater Miami area through Zoe Summer Groove and how he employs folks and the ambassador that he is through the Miami Heat program, uh, how he's changed his family's generational wealth. I mean, countless guys, uh, Island Iverson, said in his acceptance speech how John Thompson saved his life. Right. You know, this is a kid who was in prison, uh, wrongly in prison, in my opinion, and it was, you know, charges were dropped and he was able to get released and get an opportunity to play basketball after uh, Governor Wilder gave him a pardon. You know, and this kid goes and plays for Georgetown and he's the number one pick in the draft. You know, you just, you just talk about the guidance and just generational changes and trajectory of families that he's influenced. Uh, Black Coaches Association, mm -hmm. one of the, the pioneers with the Black Coaches Association, how many coaches he's inspired to go out and coach the game. Um, you know, just an incredible impact and imprint on our culture and the game of basketball. Iconic figure. Gone. Gone, but certainly not forgotten and not without a giant of a legacy left behind as well. Of course, I've talked to teammates this morning and I, I forgot this part, but even as a retiree, right? Um, coach was still looking out for not only athletes, but opportunities for coaches. I don't know that this will ever be documented, but in my time at Georgetown, we went through two ADs, both were black men. Since I've been at Georgetown, my head coach was black. Our coaching staff was all black. There have been two other head coaches. A black woman followed her and a black man full time. There's some interim folks in between there. Um, obviously, JT3 was a black coach. We moved now to Patrick Ewing. And so my teammate said to me, um, she said, I, I just hope that his legacy is able to be maintained because you better believe that he was pushing for opportunities um, for people of our complexion or our people, I should just say, um, even though he no longer was the most front facing person in the program, he will always be the program. Um, but even behind the scenes, he was working. And so that just continues to speak to his legacy. Um, we love you, Big John, uh, certainly keeping his family and his um, children in uh, our prayers. Uh, quite the loss, quite the loss indeed. Monica, one thing I want to say to you, you know, I guess is really ask you, you know, what what would you tell future ball players about coach? I mean, you know, you you wore the uniform, you sat on campus, you talked to him, but what if like if a kid comes up and admires what you're doing, how will you explain to them that some of your successes from knowing this man and what will you do to help the next generation like he helped you? You gotta think beyond the game. 
And I think coach said that to all of us, whether you had an opportunity to play in the NBA or whether you was barely playing in, at the collegiate level, you got to think beyond the game and you have to use the game and don't let the game use you. Right. right. Um, of course he loved basketball. He was a great basketball mind. He'd drop an MFR and cuss you out for being stupid <laughs> on the basketball court in a heartbeat. But he also understood that this is a vehicle. It's not the end all be all for more of us that play on the collegiate level than not. It, the ball goes flat after your collegiate career. And so I would encourage young people to do just that, use the game. Um, and then the other part of that, I would say seek out mentors and seek out advice for whatever reason, old heads, young heads, whatever. Sometimes that can be divisive. There's wisdom there. They have lived a lot more life than you have, whether they fumble around with technology or not, they've lived a lot more life than you have. And so seek out people that have wisdom. I like how you throw technology in there. So that's a determining factor, Ted. You got to know yeah, technology. I, I, I felt attacked right there for a second. I got all this gray head, you know. And I'm, I'm like, wait a minute. Okay. I'm you you better know how to use Snapchat, Ted. I'm not listening to you. <laughs> I'm just have saying. You, have you been TikToking this morning, Trey? Have you been practicing your TikTok? <laughs> Monica, we love you. We love of you. Of course. And from, the, from us to the Georgetown family, you know, our prayers go out to everybody. You know, I know this is this is a community of people who right now are mourning. Everybody who touched that campus wore that jersey, you know, uniform. You know, we're all with you guys, and we love you guys. And and like you said, all Ronnie and and his children, John and his children. It's just uh, it's an unbelievable day. Yeah. Unbelievable day. Indeed. But lots to celebrate. Guys, thank you for sharing your stories, your perspective. Uh, thanks for giving me an opportunity to put a voice to some of the things going through my head. This is certainly cathartic. Um, and of course, we'll look forward to however he will be memorialized. Due to COVID, I don't know that we would be able to gather and fill up an arena, which likely would happen otherwise. But I'm sure there will be some kind of way for all of us to pay our respects and honor. 